This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and this is a guy sitting in front of me that I've been really excited to get back onto a podcast and uh, and chat to. He is a dear friend, a former contributor of Graffiti with Punctuation, um, now a contributor to An Online Universe, and a member of the Sydney film community and a festival nut. If you want to know what's happening in the film world, you need to talk to this man. His name is Andy Buckle. He's a dear friend. You can find him at AndyBuckle22 on Twitter. Andy, welcome. Thank you very much. Excited to be here and talk about... <laughs> What uh, I've decided is one of my top ten films ah, after yes. recently rewatching it, probably for about the fifteenth time. <laughs> um, so it's um, yeah, exciting to be here, and even if it's only a minute that we chat about, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, Andy! See, Andy knows all the right things to say at the beginning of a one heat minute podcast. Um, so, guys, without further ado, we're going to jump into this minute. The minute that we're at at the moment, we are at minute thirty-five. We are just. Backing up, you'd have heard Stu in the previous minute talking about uh, Albert Torina sort of finally giving Vincent Hanna um, and, and McKelty Williamson's Drucker in this scene, um, finally giving them a hint about, I've got a lead. My brother Richard, go and talk to you. It's basically what you would have heard in the previous one. He's in the middle of explaining where Richard is and what he's going to give him in this information. And it's in that minute. You guys can listen along and then we're going to come back and talk about it with Andy. No, he gonna meet you tonight. Tonight? What happened right now? I I I employed him because I knew you was coming this AM. That's a you bunch know. of bullshit. No, no, I swear he he said no. Cause he in Phoenix. Ah, oh, by the time listen, I get listen, to man, Phoenix, I swear, I swear, man, tonight's he'll the best be I can rising. do for you. He'll probably leave a note right on the door. Tonight's the best I can do for you, man. You know, he me he'll meet you at. BJ's on Alvarado at 2 a.m. Be there. You be there, too. Vince, I can't be there, man. I got, I got things to do, Vince. I got things to do. I got, I got places to be. I got to be there. Don't waste my motherfucking time! What is it? Don't waste my motherfucking time. <laughs> so good, Andy. What a good minute. That's a fantastic minute. I mean, this is the conclusion of one of the funniest scenes in the movie, I think. <laughs> it is. It is. It is a funny scene. And but what I think is a lot of people talk about the, you know, the gimme all your guts, you know, it's it's and, and even, you know, in our theme to one heat minute, you can hear the gimme all your guts. Um, because that's sort of the probably more infamously made fun of, like People love to poke fun at the little sequences, right? And even if you love this movie. Um, but it's so funny to watch uh, the backflips that Albert has to do to even maintain Vincent being normal. Because like, mm-hmm. the minute that Vincent smells that Albert's going to 
try and play, that's when I think he goes hypermanic and just, you know, and smashes something or does something and just keeps him, you know, on, on the edge. Such a great scene. Yeah, it is. And the the actor playing uh, the other character... Ricky Harris. Ricky Harris. Um, does a fantastic job, sort of bumbling, trying to <laughs> trying to appease Vincent. Uh, this this glare, this uh, this force that is Vincent Hanna. Yeah. And he's just trying to appease him and trying to... It's such a good bumbling... I yeah. love that word. It's such a good bumbling force because it doesn't feel fake. No. He's like, ah, bah, ah, bah, ah, bah, this. It just... Like, to play that level of nervousness um, and for it to come off so well is is excellent. Yeah, there's a sense of an improvisation behind it as yes. well. Um, you know, Michael Mann has told him, invent a story. Like, yeah. why, what's the deal with your brother? Where is he? Why can't he be here now? And this, it kind of it feels like an on-the-spot sort of Because he's in Phoenix. <laughs> like, it even feels the way that the words come out of his face yeah. is like, he's in... I wonder if there's like eight takes where he just made up random mm. where he is. He's in San Diego. He's in somewhere else that's not here. Um, but he'll come in tonight. I love and like you're right with the glare. Like 34, you know, for folks who are doing this minute by minute, um, just a reminder: we are not on the definitive edition of Michael Mann's Heat yet. There is a Blu-ray out if you're in Australia. It's at JB Hi-Fi. It's only 10 bucks. It's an absolute freaking bargain. Um, so buy it. It's absolutely great. Great special features. Um, but it is slightly shorter and it is, there's some recoloring and there's some enhancements that have been done since what we're watching is a theatrical version. It was a DVD. If you've got the Warner Brothers DVD at home or you've got the Warner Brothers Blu-ray, that is the exact You'll be looking at the exact minute and second as we're looking at the exact minute and second right now. You know, slightly scaled up, obviously, if you've got the Blu-ray. So we're watching the Blu-ray, and at literally 34 minutes and one second, Andy picked up his, like, it's so funny to watch <coughs> Ricky Harris's Tarina bend to the glare. And that glare that Pacino's got on this free frame we're looking at is just, like, you would melt in front of it. He's an intimidating dude and scary. <laughs> He's scary. And you get the sense that at this point, uh, Albert... O- owes Vincent something. Oh yeah. I mean, and he knows it, and there's no way he's going to get out of this. No, no matter how much he tries to talk his way. He's already it. done. I'm a flamingo dancer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like he's already done that sort of explanation, and he's like, "What happened right now?" I, 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 I. So good. Like he's, and what I love about when Pacino dials in the intensity, and just like let's like focusing super granular on like gestures is that he's like De Niro does this perfectly Brando is famous for it as well is just minimal movement of the mouth like and this is early sort of Pacino acting craft is really focusing in minimal gestures intensity of the eyes and what's great about Ricky Harris's performance he's such a big performer he's got this scrunchy forehead and he's huge big gestures like he's and his his mouth's moving huge gestures and so it's a great contrast not only of like shot reverse shot of you're sitting in Albert's chair experiencing what it's like to have Vincent talk to you but then you're sitting in Vincent's chair looking at Albert and there's kind of this strange thing like Vincent's 
exaggerating himself, but then when he comes back to that intensity, it's really intimidating. And Albert's just like stumbling, trying. It's it's like his stupid tweed suit. I think I've mentioned it now three episodes in a row, but his stupid tweed suit, um, it doesn't protect him. He's not erudite. He's scared of Vincent. And he's trying to he's trying to do it. He's trying to smile. He's trying to please him. He's using big hand gestures. Pause, pause, pause. He's, he's going to come back. He's, he's backed into a corner here, even though he's on home... home uh... <laughs> He's on home turf. He's on home turf and there's space behind him, but you can feel like he's backed into a corner. Um, uh, Vincent's associate's right there. Drucker, Drucker, McCarthy Williamson. McCarthy Williamson, great actor. Um, And so tall. Like, he's tall. And if he's sitting on a table... If Al Pacino's staring you out and on the corner of the table is like six foot three McCarthy Williamson, that's a scary conversation. (laughs) Like, he's a big, intimidating, angry dude. And then you've got Vincent like staring you out and going crazy. So he, you're exactly right. He's got like, he's in reverse mode, but he's trapped in a table. It's so good. Yeah, and and you can see that Vincent's interrogation technique, I guess, is unique to this character because they've got a they've got a past. Yes. But you, you get a, you get a whole sense of why he's so driven and so successful at his job is that he can he can get the information out of whoever he needs to get it out of. Yes. Um, and yeah, uses. This intense, this intense stare. You know, it's nice to have a little henchman by his side. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really it's a really amusing scene. And when I watched it recently, you were I, just cackling. I was cackling. And but at the same at the same time, there's. But it makes does it make sense to you? Like as far as his character, like the way that his method of interrogation or his method of intimidation, does that make sense for the character? Yeah, I think from what you've learned about him up until then. Yeah, he, this is a guy that gets results, and this, this is a guy that. Um, straight away he thinks of he thinks of this idea like how am I going to get this information quickly I know a guy that owes me a favour so he's in control and yes. he knows he'll get the results that he wanted you know he didn't expect to be going to somewhere at 2am to a club to him in the morning that, that's probably annoyed him yeah you know at that point um, but he wants to make sure that Albert sees it through you be there yeah I love that that's <laughs> he's in Phoenix he sings it's time I get to Phoenix. He'll be rising, and he's singing to him. So in this scene, you've got Al Pacino going like sort of full Pacino, really loud and big. <laughs> but then I think when he says you know, "be there" under his breath in that sort of menacing lower yeah. tone, it's completely opposing to some of those big theatrical comic. But what I love about so you've got this theatricality. Just look at the reverse shot when he's when he's theatrical. So there's. He sort of, he, 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 um, beautifully merges from a level of theatricality to back to like, let's keep it together and very sort of calm. But when he's in the midst of theatricality, Albert is like, he's not comfortable. That's not a comfortable look. 34 minutes, 20 seconds. If you want to freeze frame, there's a look on Ricky Harris's face as Albert Torino and he's looking at him and it's like this guy's a nut. Like I can't reason with him no. if he's just crazily singing or shaking the table. And so Albert's desperate, even though it's pretty bloody intimidating, he's like desperate to drag him back to Vincent because then I can reason with him. And I think that's regardless of whether you prescribe to the sort of the new, you know, I guess it's like the, the redux theory of Vincent Hanna as a guy who used to take bumps of cocaine. And that's how the character was, you know, contrived in Pacino's head and, and, and crafted in the performance, but they dialed it back significantly for the cut of the film. Um, I 
look at this and I go, how do you, if you're, if you're on this low rung, you're a rat who's working for Vincent and you're trying to reason with him. How do you reason with him when he's like singing and shaking the table? You can't. It's like, give him what he wants and he calms down. Or if I don't give him what he wants, he's crazy and he locks me up. Mm-hmm. You don't have an... There's no, like... For me, when I look at his face, 34 minutes, 20 seconds, there's no middle ground to that. Is there at this point... Does does Albert not have the answer? Does <laughs> does his brother even... You know, he, does his brother even really know that he's involving him at this point? I don't know. Is he, That's is a great he question. Kind of, is he kind of creating a situation? Is he buying time? Like, he's in Phoenix, and he's going to be at this club. He's buying himself time to get... His brother a great a great question and I think that if that's the if that's the thing if he is buying time because I I, I'm gonna, I asked this of a couple of the guys as we were in the lead up to this because I've only sort of thought about it in preparation for these episodes you know rewatching these minutes and sort of going back through them do you think Albert Torina knows the Neil McCauley crew or knows of them because in that moment I wonder if it's like I've got to think of a way to give Vincent information that isn't directly incriminating me with Neil McCauley's crew. Cause like, mm. I'm thinking like, you know, maybe it's just a theory and possibly it is. And that's cool. But I think about that, but I love what you just said is like, he may not even have an answer right now. And the fact that he hasn't called Vincent back is probably evidence supporting what you're saying, which is that he doesn't have an a-, a good answer. So he's like, Oh, my brother's in Phoenix and 2am. And he figures if it's eight o'clock in the morning right now, I've got till 2 a.m. I've got like 14 hours that I can drastically make things up and go from there and see how I'm going to go. And, and it could be a total shot in the dark as well. Oh. It's more It's more that he, he owes Vincent. Vincent wants something from him. He, he thinks his brother will know someone. <laughs> Please. I hope my brother knows something. I hope yeah. he knows anything. And then and then by the time... And then we won't talk about that, that next scene, but uh, I guess to a point where... Um, it basically does go down the angle of being a complete loose end. Yes. Um, and uh, so it makes me think that at this point, yeah, Albert's kind of got nothing. He's and got he, nothing. And, and it's... And thank God for a nickname. But I think I don't... I, yeah, exactly. I think I don't... I don't think that Albert knows the Macaulay gang or anything like that. I don't think he's affiliated with them or makes the connection at this point. No. I, I, th- I think it's more about him kind of saving his ass and trying to get out of... <laughs> the the glare of Vincent. <laughs> you you excuse me for the coughs. Um, you'd want to. You'd want to get out of that glare. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. And so, as we watch the minute unfold, this is what's great: is that when he calms down, tell me more information. He's going to be at this club. He's just like oh, I'm making it up now. I'm going to be at this club this time, two a.m. Exactly what you said. It's thirty four minutes thirty five seconds. You be there. And he doesn't muck around with that. You be there. Then he starts... Vincent basically is prescribed to leave. Prescribed to leave. He's he said his piece, smashes some more things off the table. Be there. 34 seconds. Sorry, 34 minutes, 43 seconds. Be there. Like, I'm not going to waste my time. He's he's, he's about to say the great line. But he's like, I'm not going to waste my time for any more of your nonsense. Mm you make sure that you're there because I'm not going to go and look for your brother, Richard. Who, well, who I don't even know who, who looks like. I don't know what he looks when like. I get to the club, he won't be there. I'll have wasted my time. Yes. And um, and this great moment where he's like still... He's reeling. This is a great performance. From re- like, forget about Pacino for a second. 
This guy has delivered an outstanding... He's a speaking role. He's in it for 10 minutes. He's a criminal informant. He's unforgettable. He's great. Absolutely. And he's, he's here just in shock reeling. Bang. 34 minutes, 50 seconds. Don't waste my motherfucking time. And then Drucker sort of... I love Drucker's look here. It's like, this is what actually makes me laugh more than anything else. Is McKelty Williams' Drucker, 34 minutes, 53 seconds, turns around and gives like, yeah, like, yeah, don't waste our time. Because I think at this point, uh, we've been introduced to Vincent's associates, that, that sort of close-knit group. But they don't have a... They don't say a lot. They're kind of in the background. No. But over the course of the movie, they do come into larger they, roles. Yes. Um, but you listen... And there's these scenes which are so focused on Vincent, but in the background you're learning a little bit about them. Yes. And, and how uh, how they trust him, how they will, will go with him with whatever decision he makes, um, and a bit about just their sort of temperaments. And so I love this scene, the fact that we see a couple of shots of... And he's like, I've been paging your ass all night. And what's cool is, the one of the previous scenes, like when he picks up the phone from Casals, and we mentioned it in, the, in an earlier podcast, is he picks up the phone from Casals, and his first question isn't about the Chihilis. He's going to his criminal informants first. He's like, tell me I'm trying to call back. And then Casals holds his phone at his end and goes, and asks Drucker, mm. the train call back. And you see, I almost think you can now reappraise that moment of McKelty Williams' performance of going, Mm-mm. Because he knows this is gonna, this is the outcome. Mm-hmm. If Tarina doesn't come back to us, we're driving hours out of downtown. Yep. To go and harass this dipstick because he didn't get back to us. This flamingo dancing, tweed wearing, silver service in a dump yard place guy. We're going to go to his place. So it's, yeah, it's like, um, I love Vincent's crew having his back in every way. Mm. It's such a great, it's the same as Neil's crew having his back in every way. And yeah, you learn so much about him. And also Drucker, how Drucker will play on that sort of street level. But then when you see him react with Charlene. Mm. He's very sophisticated and yeah. very articulate mm. later in the film. Whereas in this moment, he's like, man, I paid your ass on that. I will paid you. Like, he's like emphasizing the street. And then when he comes back to Charlene or where he's like examining a crime scene or he's talking about something, he's very, you know, very specific and, and articulate. Yeah. I mean, and, and that look might also suggest that you're not out of the woods yet. We're yeah. going to call on you again. <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not what we wanted. This is, this is not... Uh, the favor, like, no, at all. This is half of a, an idea of a favor, <laughs> an, an idea that might might happen at two a.m. But at the end of the day, that look suggests we, 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 you'll see us again. Drucker says that look also says if that two a.m. thing doesn't reward us significantly, mm-hmm. you're fucksville. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no other way to put it other than to say you're in big trouble. Because this is going to go down this way. Now, what's great, we finish this, I guess, a major portion of the scene, 34 minutes, 56 seconds, and we see what is a fantastic scene coming up between, and again, another brilliantly non-LA part of LA. Yeah. um, Out on a... I guess you'd call it a veranda or I don't know, know, like a sort of an outdoor area um, with Tom Noonan playing Kelso, who Tom Noonan, a man frequent, you know, a collaborator from Manhunter, um, but just an outstanding performer to have in another small role, which is why I want to credit Ricky Harris's performance. 
Um, because, you know, in a film, the first podcast we talked about it, Mr. Luke Buckmaster sort of said in his research, he was like, like I was counting the speaking roles and there's 70 plus speaking roles mm-hmm. in this film. And, to, and, you know, to get Tom Noonan for, this is maybe a two minute to three minute yeah. sequence, he's talking to Kelso here. An amazing actor to have so small and so specific. Exactly. The, the cast is incredible. And I, whenever I watched it again, I didn't realize all these actors were in it. <laughs> And I barely recognise Tom Noonan actually because I've seen him in a million a, things. A few like Charlie Kaufman movies. I yes, think, as, as, like Anomalisa. Most his voice is yeah. everywhere. Yeah, but, but without a big beard and everything, just bald hair but no beard. So um, yeah, it was a, it was like I was jolted when I saw him um, appear for such a short period of time. But what a moment to end this to chat on. I mean, I, I think if you want to quickly talk about the the, the screenplay or yeah. or the editing. Editing and the screenplay combined together. Um, this is an extremely efficient movie, considering <laughs> it's, it's, a th- th- it's three hours. <laughs> three hours. Um, because the line that's about to come up is, it's a bank. That's it's all, a- and that's all you need to hear. <laughs> you know, having seen the first 34 minutes, 35 minutes now, you, you know exactly what, who, what, what is there to discuss. Yes. And those words create that an, an immediate unease in you. And, and the efficiency of also... See, this is what I talked about before, but it's so crazy that it's re-emphasized in this point is that Neil is barely waiting. And this is, the, I suppose, what shows in the confidence and the, uh, the proficiency of their crew. He's not even waiting a day, Andy. There's mm. no cooling off period. No. Vincent's in the thick of this investigation looking for anything. Mm. 9 a.m. tomorrow. And you know this is 9 a.m., Tomorrow, because Kelso and him are having the conversation at the bank. So yeah. there's no... It, there's a nice echo, and time is passing really well. Mm-hmm. There is no discombobulation. We are following a sequence of time, and he is so damned efficient to be, like, already having the next conversation about the bank. Mm, exactly. And he, he's there to learn about this, this job that, that um, John Voigt's brought to him. He's there discussing it. He doesn't really know exactly too much about it. No. We learn it's a bank, and then... We'll go on to the next scene and I'll I'll talk and I'll I'll discuss it. But stopping it there, you just think about there's no there's no need to lead in with unnecessary chatter. Like they've probably been talking for a few minutes there before we join them, but it doesn't matter. No, we're there to learn that it's a bank. Yeah, and the cut from the the scene before. Don't waste my motherfucking time. To (laughs) it's a bank. Michael Mann's not wasting our time. No. He's not. He's. That's great. I've never noticed that. That's he's, so fantastic. He's, he's moving from scene to scene with incredible efficiency. When you think about these, you know, TV shows these days, ten episode long, ten ten hours to cover a, a story like this. Yes, it takes all that time. If you were to take one of those big shows and condense it down to three hours, you hope it comes out like heat. Yes, That's how I think about you heat. Your dream, your dream would be that yeah. it could be heat. The, there's enough. There's enough stories. There's enough characters and and subplots to fill a season of tv but it's in this beautifully efficient three hours and um (laughs) yeah i think that's i was um you know so so happy to see that moment (laughs) just then actually because it's well i've never noticed that and that's uh, if i can say what my distinct joy is is twofold one, you would have heard some of the amazing guests I've already had on. Andy's a friend and also a great film mind. And what I also love is that when I get to see the film 
heat again through the eyes of someone that I'm talking to. And it's the first time I've ever noticed the efficiency of Michael Mann literally from one beat to another, which is don't waste my motherfucking time. And he doesn't. He doesn't. In, in four seconds, we know that he's talking to Kelso about this bank job or a job. We knew it with Nate. It was a job. Now we know it's a bank job. And then now... You know, just as Hitchcock talked about, we plant the seed, we light the bomb under the table, we show the audience the bomb, and now we're waiting for the countdown and the conversations and the drama is happening, but we know in the back of our heads that that bank job is bubbling underneath. Annie Buckle, thank you so much for joining me for an episode of One Eight Minute. It's been a pleasure. Mate, I'm super excited that it made you top 10, and I know that you're going to join me for another minute soon, so I'm going to pause on your, how it got into your top 10 and why it got into your top 10 after your most recent viewing for our next episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, heat on iTunes. If you go to our website, oneheatminute.com, leads you everywhere that we are. Um, if we've missed a tidbit or you wanna, if you wanna communicate with us, you got any feedback, mail at oneheatminute.com. I am at Blake is Batman on Twitter. Andy is at Buckle22. Yes. Yes, at Buckle22. If you wanna talk about films or the 76ers that's where you're going to find Andy um, but you're going to find me there Andy thank you so much for joining me for an episode of thank you very much cheers